This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. The Bakul Everyday Baskets from Sabah exhibition features a collection of traditional Sabah baskets from Sabahan author and collector Jennifer P. Lingi. Everyday baskets such as tadang, breng, takiding, wakit, barait, sayun, which are used for domestic activities such as farming, hunting, gathering and ritualistic practices are among the many bakul on show at this exhibition, which is presented by The Go Down. So I'm going to find out all about this from Lin Muan Yi and Emily Wee. They are both co-founders founders of the Godown, an, an art centre here in Kuala Lumpur, and also Ling Hao, an architect and the curator of the exhibition. Welcome all of you. How are you today? Good afternoon. Hello. Thanks for Hi. having us. Absolutely. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me, all three of you today. Really nice to have you in the studio. So I think um, before we talk about the exhibition, right, could we perhaps start talking a little bit about uh, the, the the building itself, right, which now hosts, uh, houses the Godown. So it's, of course, located on Lorong Ampang. Uh, it was originally an old Dutch warehouse. Uh, yeah, talk to me a little little bit about it, you know, its history, uh, you know, how you guys were brought in to revive and reimagine the space. Maybe Ling, how you want to take that? Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, Wani, whom you know now as the founder, um, approached um, us and when we came into the project, it was uh, the adjacency to the warehouse was a kind of uh, open car park. Uh, it's on the slopes of the Bukit Nana's Hill. Mm-hmm. So it, in a way, it's between the jungle at the very end, uh, but, in, uh, but below the church. So the we wanted to, I guess also, how do you say, continue very much uh, the potential of the atmosphere of the, of the surroundings. The warehouse um, was, uh, in a way, stripped to expose its, as much as it can, its um, bare condition. Then the adjacent building um, was a kind of a lay, uh, layers of concrete floors with um, metal walls that sort of um, hung in um, around it. It continues the openness of the streets in the sense that the building is uh, a kind of enclosure, but it is open. So the rain and the sun, in a way, permeates the, the space. Yeah. yeah. It's really lovely. I mean, I've been there only once, I'm sorry to admit, mm. but it was such a beautiful setting, you know, as you as you mm. said, with, you know, the church there. And, and I know I've gone to the church many times, but I've not actually, I didn't realize the space was there. So it was a lovely discovery. Mm. Um, uh, uh, Wanyi, what about for you? You know, I mean, uh, can you talk to me about why, uh, you know, why this space is so special to you? Thanks, Juliet, for inviting us for this interview. Um, the space has been in our wider, bigger family for quite uh, a few uh, decades. Um, as you know, it used to be the Boom Boom Room and 11LA. <laughs> I think most people from our generation remember it for that. But as well, it's it's probably about 100 years old, so it's gone through many different incarnations. Mm-hmm. And uh, so by the time it came to our little part of the family, um, we had um, to decide what to do with it because the, the old warehouse was actually quite dilapidated. Sure. So um, so the rest we can blame on Ling Hao. <laughs> <laughs> he actually um, suggested that we we make an art gallery or art centre from it. Mm-hmm. And um, that also coincided with, at a personal level, um, our interests or my interests in... Um, basically um, what one can do in Kuala Lumpur growing up and having been abroad and come back uh, what what do you what does one spend the time doing right. so um, I um, know that say in Spain 
there is a lot um, for elderly people to do and uh, so the arts are very much um, uh, supported and uh, so uh, you can go uh, and uh, learn in the in any village, there's a cultural center. Right. And you can go and learn whatever you want to learn. For example, yoga, painting, theater, etc., etc. Wonderful. Right? Um, yeah. Elderly people have daycare there, mm-hmm. provided by, by the local authority. And they even organize things like uh, trips, travel, um, in, uh, during the low season. Um, so anyway, uh, for us, we I, I thought it would be great if we had a place like that where you can go and meet people and learn things and discuss things and maybe have a coffee, you know, and um, basically enrich the inner life of an individual. Mm -hmm. So that was um, the beginning of this whole idea of um, doing an art Mm centre. And then, of course, uh, meeting uh, Emily, uh, a good friend, and how? This is how it all began. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and um, it's, I mean, Ling, how you mentioned sort of like what it, uh, how you've sort of designed it, right? But uh, can you talk to me a little bit about the space as a whole, you know, uh, how it looks like now, uh, the many different sections within it? Because I remember when I was visiting, you know, there's a beautiful rooftop garden, so many different mm. sections to it, right? It's really lovely. I guess um, one intention is um, to experience the building, mm. to experience um that by walking around so the way when we were thinking how to organize it you you would um if you were to use the building you would actually be walking around it so in so let's say it's not let's say a simple staircase or a leaf lobby and then from there you just go to different rooms but you actually have to move through the different parts yes. and then as you move through the different parts you are also brought to look at the neighborhood mm-hmm. um and so the, the walking is the experience of the building. So that, I guess, is one particular thing. And then the, there is, in, in let's say, joining the old uh, warehouse to the newer attachment, there is an open-air terrace. So the open-air terrace also means that you're underneath the sky. And you underneath the sky is also part of the experience of the space. Uh, and then you also, um, and it not being so enclosed means you hear the church bells, you hear the birds, you yeah. hear the traffic. And then, I, and then that also becomes really, if you were to absorb the time when you are there, you have this kind of encounter. So, yeah, we I could describe the building in terms of, um, let's say, you know, it has um, a ground floor, a mezzanine, and so on. But also, I guess I want to much highlight that the surrounding, I think, is very interesting to be part of. And in a way, this also, um, when we were making the building, because I am based in Singapore, so I would spend um, quite full days around the site. Sure. And in doing that, I also then explored the surrounding city. And the surrounding city is very rich. Um, in the morning, if you come up from the train station, you will have all the food stalls um, mm-hmm. and people queue um, to to buy their nasi lemak and so on. And by if you come a bit later, like 9.30 to 10, all this scene disappears. But you also get a lady uh, knitting on the streets and selling her knit. And then if you um, and then by lunchtime a different kind of uh, scene appears on the street and then same at night. So these so-called vendors in KL um, in the city are legal. It's a kind of an infrastructure that has been agreed 
with between the people and the, the so-called management. And that's very nice because then the city is a kind of a lively city. It is not a city just where the streets uh, have human walking mm-hmm. to work and then so on and so on. So it's very unique. And it made me think that that openness of the building would be possible, that people maybe in this part of KL are familiar with that kind of uh, way of doing things. You don't need to go inside to a fully enclosed environment. So that somehow the... the In a way, sometimes when we make projects, it is also um, how we use it after we make it that makes what it is. And I think that's sure. very... Um, some something that with um, Wan Yi and Emily that somehow we are still trying, you know, each project and this exhibition that we later we will talk about um, the idea that it is um, not mechanically ventilated, you know, it's just a, just a very still air, but still uh, because it's an exhibition, it's a quiet kind of thing, so that can happen. So the it's not an automatic thing that immediately you must close off the city and mm-hmm. etc. to have a kind of a thing. So. I guess what I'm trying to say is that the, the surrounding already is very rich and if you take clues and maybe you can continue that maybe that specialness about the immediate area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that area is, you know, extremely special. Um, yeah. I'm going to talk a little bit about that sure. after this. But, um, you know, in terms of um, things that have happened at the go-down, uh, Wani, maybe, or, or Emily, if you want to take this, you know, talk to me mm-hmm. about some of the uh, previous exhibitions and events mm-hmm. that you guys have hosted there for over these past few years. Yeah, okay. So um, we started in 2019. We opened our doors and... Um, very quickly, right after that, I think the COVID hit us. So actually, yeah. we only had maybe one or two events, uh, one of which was Urban Sunny, which is part of the Urban Scapes event, which is a collaboration between the Malaysian, I think, tourism and arts uh, authorities with the Singapore government. So that was quite nice. And it was a big kind of like, um, I think in a way, uh, a baptism of fire we were just thrown in <laughs> yes. and all of us had to do this big event. Sure. Um, but subsequent to that, I think we've had some smaller or more intimate type of events with artists. Um, one of which which really kind of like, personally, one of my favourites was uh, um, an event called what, what You Are The World Is by Andrew Pock, the artist, where he built these um, fencing, like a maze. Um, that was right at the height of COVID. Mm. Um, and it was kind of like speaking to how people are um, sort of like in a way in a cage because we can't we can't see the light we, we when when is it all going to end so that was the whole kind of idea behind it there was a, a kind of light bulb in the middle uh, and and it was very bold in fact for i i thought because we also decided that um to close off all the um, skylights and everything to open exhibition mainly for it to be sort of best um, seen at around 7pm and later. Oh, interesting. Mm. Okay. So that was during Ramadan. So that all these fencing um, and no lights, so it cast all these shadows around the walls, which made it really beautiful when the the fan was switched on, it was swaying. So I really loved it. Um, and we had a few sort of performances around it, like a buto dance. Um, so that was one of my favourites. But after that as well, I think we had um, in the last one year, Buka Buku, which is a f- Chinese folding books, uh, traveling exhibition that we worked uh, with um, uh, actually a collective uh, co-open books from Wales. 
Um, and we brought in about almost 70 or 80 folding books from all around the world. So basically the Chinese folding book, but interpreted by artists from about uh, seven or eight different countries, wow. including US, Australia. Um, that was really uh, also uh, um, interesting because, um, number one, we made it shoeless. So, so we knew that the space is is a very organic, natural space. Uh, and the books, being folding books, um, we open it up, put it on like long planks, about three to four metres um, on the f- sort of like floor height almost and people walking in shoeless so it created a different kind of I think um, interaction for people to to get close to the art and to look at it Um, so that kind of was our own um, exhibition that we uh, also curated by um, the team Mm -hmm. um, internally with Ling Hao doing the design Um, and we felt encouraged after that because we got really good response from just general public um, so I think those were the few, and I think this year we also worked with Shaman Tea Room, um, who are an interesting multidisciplinary kind of like a duo. They've got also performance as part of their sort of um, uh, general presentation. So one of the things that was very interesting was um, one of the performances we had where we used they used uh, the steel drums hand pan drums that's okay. it hand pan percussions they had it on the roof garden wonderful wow so you see the you know going back to what Ling Hao was talking about the sky the birds it was sunset you hear the call of prayer for azan you hear the church bells then it started drizzling <laughs> so everyone had umbrellas so it was just in a way, um, the performance and the people watching became part of it as well. Yeah. So it was magical. Okay. Um, so I think those were a few okay. of the good examples. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, now you're having a buckle over there. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But let's just go for one quick break. And when we come back, uh, let's discuss a little bit about, you know, refurbishing uh, heritage buildings and things like that and how we can how that adds to the uh, identity of a city. I'm speaking today to Lim Wan Yi and Emily Wee. They are both co-founders of The Go Down. And Ling Hao is an architect and the curator of Buckle, Everyday Baskets from Sabah. We'll have more after this quick break. Keep it right here on Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture. I'm Julia Jacobs. In the studio with me today, Ling Hao, an architect and curator of Buckle, Everyday Baskets from Sabah, which is an exhibition happening at The Go Down. Also with us today, Lim Wan Yi and Emily Wee, both co-founders of The Go Down, which are presenting this exhibition. So uh, we are talking, of course, you know, what this is all about. It is uh, features a collection of traditional Sabah baskets from Sabahan author and collector Jennifer Lingi. We're going to talk a little bit about that uh, after this. But uh, Ling Hao, if I can talk to you a little bit about heritage buildings and conservation, and those sorts of things, right? So I was rem- I remember reading this uh, quite a while ago, actually, and it was saying things like, you know, heritage building conservation uh, today is less about preserving these sorts of precious places as museums, right? And more about preserving the sense of character, the unique identity and history of communities where people live, work and recreate. Uh, would you agree with that? What is, um, or perhaps what is your definition? Uh, yeah, Preservation um, is is one word that's used. Um, heritage is another, and I guess when we use it, we also have to elaborate on what it perhaps is, right? And it's also a contestable term, mm-hmm. and who uses it for what? And uh, in a way, it's also a kind of a term used 
a lot now these days. Yeah. Um, and it can you can one act as you say could be like to keep a facade or and so on. But if you go there, the whole thing feels quite like something else. So maybe um, maybe the other way to. And, and relating to how we did the project, we it wasn't that we thought that you know it's about heritage per se, but it's um, I think the the warehouse as a kind of a, a special thing. Um, obviously, is is when you go there, it's one big room, uh, and that immediately when we were thinking of making this communal kind of um, space for people to use, that already immediately afforded a kind of a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we were working on with it, we um, op- we you know we took up the surface and we found what the material was, because there were no old drawings or uh, let's say past um, research into the building. So the bricks are really soft, and then the mortars are lime, meaning so this would have been um, of a certain kind of uh, way of making and. Sure. As you might know, the one of the beginnings of KL was that it also became an area where you made brick after the Great Big Fire. Yeah. So the it was probably after that time. So the bricks would probably from this area and from our soil. And the same, same with the lime plaster. So the in remaking or in, in working back on that, we kept very much a lot of the materiality. And when you go there, you see that the... The exterior we replastered back in lime, and it's aging now. It's sort of absorbing the the pollution. Okay. Um, it's a carbon sink. Every day, the material is getting harder and stronger. So from it's um, from either from crushed uh, um, seashells or various kinds of thing, which is lime, and then it gets broken up. But in replastering back, it grows back to become limestone. So it becomes it's a continuous kind of uh, hardening material. It's very ancient. Um, but the so that's in terms of the the materiality. We are also in a way working with the actual age of the material uh-huh. from our knowledge. And in doing that, we work with um, the Surabayan workers who were the workers who built this project. And then when you already think about that and you think of the beginning of KL, so-called, KL was built with migrant, so-called migrant workers, the hands and the labour and all that from all these Chinese migrants and so on and so on. And the city has aged from then to now. And then if you walk in the city, the windows, a lot of the old um, shop houses, the windows have disappeared and then they're now just openings and you see sarongs hanging in them and the Nepalese workers or the other workers now are living there because um, the owners now rent out these spaces. They don't live so much. So the city has transformed in so much. So this transformation is in a way a living, the way the city is living. Yeah, yeah. I think, again, that, that kind of uh, presentness is very um, something to be alive to than rather to talk about how the idea of a heritage should be. And and over these few years, what's interesting is like um, Zhongshan building, I don't know if you've yes, been. Yes, yes. Um, the way that it transformed, and that's like a post, um, it's a, maybe a pre-war building or post-war, I'm not sure. But the the act of transformation there, which the building is not demolished, is kept, but in between the party walls, they've opened up doors. So now you, it becomes like a labyrinth. Yeah. And that's a really um, lively transformation. Suddenly, you can have many, many um, small uh, shoplets. Uh, 
and then you have a different kind of experience. That transformation is quite exciting, and then that relates also to um, individual people having being able to make a space in the city. Mm. So, um, I think maybe that's what's interesting that this potential in KL, because let's say in in different cities there are different kinds of um, ideas behind conservation. So one would be let's say in Singapore there is a highly um, managed idea of conservation. There are guidelines and it's very specific. So there's no way in a way that you could break up that shop house um, and and to have this kind of linkage. Sure. Uh, so one, one way to go down was the scale. Um, next to it, you have the Bangunan Ming, which is um, a tall tower. Okay. And if we had built next to the go down a new extension that was, let's say, 10 stories tall, which is still short in today's terms, right? Then the old warehouse itself would be really sandwiched. So the new extension, even though it's like four level, it's the height of it matches the roof of the old go down. So deliberately, the new building is kept to a scale mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. still continues a certain kind of relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is, I mean, concretely ways to think about how you encounter the city. And I, I think that's what I wanted to maybe stress about, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've lost a lot of our iconic heritage buildings um, and areas, right? And mostly, of course, as, you know, in the name of development. Um, again, you know, how exactly does the conservation of these sorts of heritage sites help to shape the relationships between people, you know? Um, and maybe let's, using the Godan as an example, how would you say that's happening? Mm, yeah, the one, as I say, the scale... Um, the two other activities um, that we you bring in now this idea so-called um, art center it's a very again general sure. um, and so but it's a kind of a thema- uh, not a thematization but a framing that um, maybe the activities are things that people do with their hands and thing but for the the visitor to the city because the, the city saw also it, I mean the there was a kind of a trend right a lot of people moved out from the city mm. yeah mm. it moved to the shopping malls um, and so on and the moment these kind of activities happen um, which would be in the godown's case um, the involvement in urban Sydney or now they have every month a kind of an art market with these activities, um, people come and they they come, to, of course, to have a relationship with the things that are on display, but they also come to just sit in the space. The space is also open up. It's, it was designed such that there were no uh, walls on the ground level. So from the hill or to from the river, if you walk, you could literally walk through the building. So you, if you go there, you do get people who just walk through. Um, and that walking through um, builds up. They they know that something's happening, or yeah. they also part of the space. There are also people who come to just sit there, and that kind of um, that the city is a space that you can have that kind of relationship. I think it's interesting rather than that every space you go through is through doors, and you are only only there to shop or to eat. Mm-hmm. So now the it becomes back to what we can do with ourselves um, besides all this that, that the city can afford. Yeah. It's quite a seamless sort of city experience in that sense, right? You know, mm. you just go through so many different things you're experiencing. It doesn't have to be closed off in any sense, uh, mm. you know, as you were yeah. saying. So that's really yeah. wonderful. Mm. And just alluding to something you said, right, um, how can these sorts of restored buildings help local economies? Because, you know, of course, with the pressure of development, redevelopment, of always, you know, carried out in the name of economic and political reasons, right? Mm. I mean, all of 
of that becomes a challenging challenging mm-hmm. task. Again, you know, using Godan as an example, you know, how has it, uh, yeah, you know, aided in the local economy around uh, around those areas? Uh, maybe Emily or uh, Wani, you want to take that? How is it aided? Um, I know that we bring a lot of people from around our um, immediate vicinity as well as people who live further uh, away but are linked to us through interests to to come and uh, take part in our programming, whatever that programming is um, throughout the year. Um, so I think um, locally, where when we first started this project, um, the the um, places that you find surrounding us, ha- it has changed a little bit. There is gentrification going on. Mm-hmm. Um, good or bad, that's for us to discuss. <laughs> but uh, people do come. I mean, we have a um, lunchtime crowd from the office area, which is our traditional crowd, um, walking around, milling around. We also have people who come and who go and visit the, the cafes and the coffee shops. So that keeps the coffee shops and the very old restaurants around the area going. Mm-hmm. I think going back to um, this project, um, not only are we running um, an art space, but we are also very much involved in the so-called maintenance or the care of the building because of the way we have um, um, repaired it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say restored it because it's a different purpose and we've, we have made some adaptations to uh, the building and the spaces, yeah. but uh, we have repaired and for us... So after Ling Hao has done his, his job as architect, um, he's still so much involved because we have to understand um, how the building is made to, to uh, maintain it and keep it going in the way that we envisaged in the beginning. And that is no small task. You know? And also, it spills over to what people can actually do when they come and have their events and exhibitions and things in, in, in the building. So... Um, it is restrictive, but it's also an education for us all. So that there's, it, it's hard in a way, but it's very rewarding in other ways. <laughs> okay, so I, I guess, you know, what we're saying here is also we must look beyond that sort of profit-centred uh, development paradigm, right? And concentrate more on building up social and uh, civic capital. Would you agree? Yeah, I think um, definitely if... Profit was the first reason or objective, then probably <laughs> this project would not have happened. Oh dear. And even to this day, I get a lot of asked that questions about, uh, ask a, a lot about um, how do we make money as an oh art centre. Okay. Um, and so I think most of us, for the, all three of us, I would say that a lot of it is really a belief that um, we see that this is something that is going to be very good for the city, good for the area. Um, and, you know, I think going back to what Wani was talking about where um, she's, she remembers the place when she, as a young child and and also a lot of people around the area because you've got the St. John's School and, and the Convent School yeah. um, and the church. Um, people have a lot of memories. I, I meet people who come in and they say, oh, I used to play marble in that corner. Wow. So it's nice that we are able to kind of more or less keep to what it is it was. And they come in and they have a, 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 that connection is still not taken away. Because quite often, sometimes you, you you go to a place where you remember as a child and it's totally changed. And you feel sad, you know, there's a bit of loss, you know. Yeah. And I think that's what we try not to. And, and in the end, how it all kind of makes sense in terms of profit and all that 
um, I think we try to make things work. Like it's a balance. It's a, it's a constant balance. It's not easy. Um, so sometimes we rent out as, as a commercial space to um, brands and um, you know bigger corporations who have who want to do an event or launch a product. But and that helps us to I, I think generate some revenues. But whatever we make, we put it back into exhibitions like the one like the Bakul exhibition um, so that's how we kind of like try and strike that balance mm-hmm. I don't know how long it can continue mm-hmm. we, we try and it, it, we're learning every day yeah. um, I wouldn't say that we have the formula down pat just you know? yet <laughs> um, but it is um, yeah it's a challenge that we given to ourselves and and I think the team uh, um, we, we kind of like sold them that vision as well so in a way um, a, f- a few of us have drank drank the Kool-Aid and <laughs> um, and um, yeah and we will continue and hopefully with more and more uh, exhibitions like today's you I think people will understand that okay this is what they are trying to do mm-hmm. yeah you crazy kids seriously <laughs> <laughs> okay um, we'll just go for one more quick break and when we come Come back. Let's finally uh, talk about that exhibition, that amazing exhibition uh, that's kicking off very soon. I'm speaking to, to, today to Lim Wan Yi, Emily Wee. They are both co-founders of the Go Down. Ling Hao, an architect, uh, also you know who helped create the Go Down, uh, and he's also the curator of Buckle Everyday Baskets from Sabah. Just one more quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about that. Keep it right here on Front Row on the Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture. I'm Julia Jacobs. With me in the studio, Lim Wan Yi and Emily Wee, both co-founders of The Go Down and Ling Hao, architect and curator of the exhibition that we're supposed to be talking about today, um, <laughs> Bako Everyday Baskets from Sabah, which is an exhibition featuring a collection of traditional Sabah baskets uh, from Sabahan author and collector Jennifer Lingi. So guys, if we can talk about that now, um, it's, it's a seven-week-long exhibition, as I mentioned, you know, featuring uh, this collection by Jennifer. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how this collaboration between all of you uh, came together. Okay, yeah. Um, I think um, it really happened by chance in a way. Um, it was a chance meeting me and Jennifer and Wanyi. Uh, we met. Um, and that was during the last exhibition we held, uh, the Buka Buku exhibition back in December 2021. So she came to visit. Um, she loved the space. That was her first time there. Uh, and then she looked at, at the... And we knew that she'd written a book that was just, you know, phenomenal because it's 10 years of her life. She went around all the remote villages of Sabah, um, living amongst the uh, local indigenous uh, tribes and talking to them, watching them source for materials, processing it, making the bakul, um, learning and then sketching the baskets. So she made this book and, and I was quite blown away actually by by what she'd done. Um, and then we knew that she had amassed quite a collection. <laughs> so it was to a point where I think it was spilling out and, and she was saying that her <laughs> husband was... Uh, she was having to, I think, sneak around when she bought new <laughs> baskets because he was like, where are we going to put all this? And, and I met her son and she, he, he told us, that, oh, my room is full of her baskets as well. So I, I think from that we gathered that, okay, you need to have an exhibition for these baskets <laughs> and it needs to be um, seen by more people than just you, your family because, <laughs> you know, it's it's just 10, 10 years of um, and be, before that she was already collecting anyway. So it's a lot of baskets. Um, a lot of it probably are extinct. So she said that um, probably in about 10 years' time, it's, it's going to be a f- only a few left that are still in oh production. Okay. Um, so even more uh, important for us. So we um, then introduced her to Ling Hao, 
who so happened was you know also there at the exhibition um and and she in immediately uh, i think uh, appreciated ling house uh, way of thinking uh, so she she saw that he was very curious and his way of questioning her about how she made the book um, kind of made her think about, oh, I think, you know, if we're going to have an exhibition, then I would like it to be curated by Ling Hao and that, that would make it a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how it started. Okay. Yeah, so the three of us then sort of started to think about making this exhibition uh, so I was like responsible for kind of like trying to see how to make get the money to fund it. Um, Ling Hao recruited Kang Xiang, who is another young architect, as part of the team, and basically uh, Wan Yi and Ling Hao both, you know, they they discuss a lot about the kind of like the creative, um, how they wanted to make the exhibition. Mm-hmm. So that's how it started. Okay. And it, it, I mean, so you mentioned, you know, uh, it's it's really a labor of love, isn't it? Jennifer's labor of love, uh, and the book, of course, is called the Kampung Legacy, right? Um, and um, uh, maybe Ling Hao, I can ask you now. You know, I, I was reading this. You said that to know these baskets is to go into their world. Talk to me a little bit about that world. Yeah, the baskets that they use when and when they need to um, carry something or to do something with. So they, it's quite um, purposeful. You make it for a kind of a, a, a need. But it's also something that they learned from their family. Mm-hmm. They they saw their mother making and then they if they're interested, they will make. It's not like something that they're forced to do. Yeah, okay. That is, um, I think, of course, it's it's uh, if you look at it from uh, from uh, new eyes, and in case let's say from our eyes, we can see in other ways we won't see in terms of their daily use because you are not or for me in that case anyway, I'm not from that immediate world. Sure. So um, that's why we said, of course, it is a great opportunity to find out um, as much as we can. So we made a trip to a village. And um, in that village, they, for a few days, they they sort of um, tried to really show us various things, uh, which means that we went to the jungle with them to mm. to a little bit of um, harvesting. And harvesting, well, we, well, they went to collect the rattan and the bamboo that, because they wanted to show us the different steps of using these materials. They also harvested um, some plants to cook for us. So in the same, same little... Um, section of the forest and they brought us to a really mild one because they said there were stronger material but then you have to go across the river and so on and <laughs> they make they, they made a decision that we didn't need to go to do that but so they also then at night um, started smoking um, chicken in the bamboo um, and then um, doing various things to different parts of the plants and then at the same time, with their same hands, they would start shaving the bamboo and the rattan to uh, the different parts to make the different parts of the different kinds of baskets. Yeah, wow. so that that is the kind of the ritual. So there, there is uh, many many levels, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. So, but this um, that this same thing that in their everyday would just be hung when they're not using or thrown to one side. In this exhibition, it's very different. They if you go there. In the space, it has it's already been brought to a different world, which is let's say our city world. Mm-hmm. It's also us getting to have a kind of a relationship with these baskets. So um, these baskets now are almost the same level as us because the care that we have 
given to these baskets in in the space you are going around them with like interest and with like potentially loving eyes it's very diff- so I, I think it's it's quite cute they they're like how we we treat our pets they they obviously have more more devotion than you give to yourselves yeah. but whether <laughs> if they were to True. speak to you i mean it's quite curious so in a way now in the exhibition the the basket and you and the space it's also very different from their world in and, and in their birth world, right? And they're also from the plant that we killed. I mean, we, we take and we, we make in. So this kind of little transformation little is all in our head when we were uh, positioning, placing and selecting what to share. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's also, a, at this point, a kind of a learning. And I think you can sense it in Jennifer's book because um, it's a, as you, she started making that whether it would become a book, it was still it would still require an energy. You know, she could have done all this and it would have remained as a note form. Yeah. So I think it's nice and we, you can feel that um that the the effort and the time and then it's preciousness because it will be a book is also something that you can pass on. Uh, whereas a basket will also be quite different. The basket will actually deteriorate over time. Insects will come and eat it up, um, rats, uh, so on, or humidity and so on. So the to to make this exhibition, you are taking in a way the, the contents uh, we are laying it out. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that's also what um, this the, the, the space can be, a space of kind of an exchange. Yeah, in the city. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, we want that. In a way, like what you want your radio shows to be, obviously, you want a listener. Mm-hmm. So, um, and maybe that's what cities can also be about besides just um, working hard to make money mm-hmm. that we also exchange um, and build build um, this kind of relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that is, in a way, like what the exhibition is very much to to, to trigger this kind of communications. Uh, but one, one last thing is that, of course, it became that so much of these kind of spaces um, in the city became interiorized. So when it came to showing something, for some reason, they all had to be in a white room um, with artificial lighting okay. and you know, 24 degrees. And it became a kind of a way, you know, like wherever you go around the whole world, it's always the same encounter. I see. So going back to what we think the potential of... Um, of other ways uh, and then to convey some kind of the atmosphere of our environment um, Sabah is not so far mm-hmm. so Sabah is also something maybe that we might think we have a feeling of and these baskets come from the jungle it would be uh, so I think when we met Jennifer we were quite clear also that um, this kind of atmosphere is something we want to we cannot say this is Sabah and mm. it isn't anyway, mm-hmm. but we also want to un- say that, you know, each place, there's an atmosphere that we want to to develop or, or bring out rather than to, okay, you know, after everything, it becomes like this puff, I don't know what, you know, uh, 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 just about the basket. So it's also not about that. So the baskets sit in the space with the natural light yeah. and in our humidity. Yeah, okay. that's important okay. also. And and as you and you mm-hmm. sort of experience it as you go around through yes. the spaces, right? Yeah. So and I was and, and I was reading it's also it's also a shoeless uh, exhibition as well, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. And and that was uh, done, of course, uh, for a reason as well, right? Yes, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. And so um, complementing that, of course, there's also going to be a selection of photos and items collected from an excursion to Kampung Bakuku in Sabah as, uh, mm-hmm. on display, right? Is that yes. the, that's the expi- expedition correct, you were correct. talking about. Yes, yeah. Okay. And then the one, um, it's quite simple. I mean, it's very hard to bring back. And sure. our tools, obviously, are images and sounds and texts and drawings. And the, la- the, the ladies in this village, it was mainly ladies who did all the weaving. So they put out a big show for us in one room. They were all the, so some of the ladies would be like almost 80 Mm. and they they all lived around there. So they came to uh, sit down, they wove. So the floor, you know, in the old world, the floor was the furniture. And then their hands and their feet, they started, um, they, they cleaned the bamboo or they, they cut it into strips. And then they just with with that with their whole body they did so so the body is the knowledge carrier sure. so it's from, different from our time where the internet is our knowledge and we just sort of live in between so it's also very precious um, and that is it's a whole uh, world to have that you need the jungle mm-hmm. you need to have the uh, you you need you you want to have the basket then you want to have the interest yeah. So in in many villages, yes, young people still initiate that kind of interest. So to weave, yeah, mm-hmm. and then it, so um, uh, uh, educator, um, serious a French um, teacher. Um, one of his statements was that to to for for your, for the young, it would be as important before they learn to use the keyboard to to learn to weave. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you know the old cultures. Yes, weaving was um, something quite prized. Yeah. Mm. And should be right. I mean, as you're saying, Jenna yeah. was saying some of this is being lost, right? So it will. It, it is. It, yeah. It's definitely mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So this sounds like an amazing exhibition. And you know, aside mm-hmm. from that, of course, uh, this weekend uh, the exhibition will also feature a series of talks and a craft workshop. Uh, am I correct, Wani? Maybe you want to talk to me a little bit about, uh, or, or Emily? Maybe you want to talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, we've been very fortunate in doing this exhibition. We've met um, in just researching it uh, about, you know, putting together the program. Um, we met a lot of people who are very, very supportive and um, two of whom are speaking this weekend. Um, Dr. Colin Nicholas is from the Centre of Orang Asli Concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very well-known figure, I guess. Um, many, many years he spent um, with the Orang Aslis. Um, and and also even in Thailand, so he's he's, he's got projects uh, up in Chiang Mai, um, just basically fighting for the rights, land land rights, um, issues that they, they they are facing. So he'll be coming in to basically uh, do something light. I, I um, hopefully more of an introductory session, just uh, talking about his work and also some of the issues um, they're facing and how the crafts. You know how that that kind of relates to the craft that they do, mm-hmm. um, and the other person is um, um, Rita Rahim. She's from the Garai OA or Garai Orang Asal, another very well known person um, who does a lot of volunteers. Um, so basically, um, what she does is um, help all the different um, indigenous tribes. Mainly, I think, um, well, actually, it's the whole throughout Malaysia. Um, bring their products to market. Yes. Um, and, and she runs the organisation incredibly just through volunteers and they are sourcing this um, very, very kind of like, you know, 
small quantities of um, baskets and products and mats and things like that um, to bring to KL. Um, tr- so really, not not having any middlemen in the in in the middle, and yeah. all the money goes back to the original makers. So I think that's very um, another person who is very passionate. We're very fortunate to have her come and share as well about her work, and uh, through Rita, we also managed to get these two Tamir brothers um, from Kelantan. Um, and Guamusang in Kelantan, actually. Um, They're travelling here for the first time, also teaching um, uh, weaving of rattan. Um, uh, They normally do bubu, uh, which is like a fish trap, but they're coming to teach the chenos making, uh, which is like a little bangle that used to reinforce the fish traps, but it can be used as a ring or a bangle, some sort of ornament. Um, they'll be doing this for the first time, I mean, teaching uh, to non-orang asli. So it'll be quite a interesting experience, um, I think, to see what they, 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 how, it, how they go. Um, and, and so that will both uh, the talks are at 4 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. The workshops uh, will be on both days, Saturday, Sunday, between 1 to 4 p.m. Okay. And registration is via our... Um, you can go to our Instagram. There is a link on in our bio mm-hmm. uh, where you can actually register. The talks are free. The workshops are 90 ringgit per person. Okay. And it's yes. limited space as well? So pe- Yes, yes. Okay. So people right. really need to yeah, register. So I think they're trying to limit it to about 10 to so make it a bit more, you know, it's it's easier for people to, to learn uh, because it, when it gets too big, then it, it gets a bit complicated. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. so I mean, the launch was yet, uh, on, on Thursday, right? Um, yesterday. And uh, it's going to go on uh, all the way for, I think, about seven weeks, isn't it? So it's got a nice long run. Um, you know, I, I'm afraid we're just running out of time a little bit. But, you know, before I let the three of you go, any last message uh, maybe to the listeners on why they really should come and experience uh, this exhibition? Yes, so um, basically, please come, enjoy it. It's free. Um, our Instagram is the Godown KL, okay. <laughs> in case we didn't uh, mention before. But um, yeah, I think um, basically these baskets are a product of um, the environment from where they came from the from the villages and the tribes. And this world is disappearing very quickly. The jungle is being pushed to the margins of plantations, and development really is uh, getting in the way of village life. So once this goes, that's it. Please come and see the baskets. It's a living experience. Yeah, Come and enjoy the forest of baskets at the go-down. Right here in uh, Kuala Lumpur. Thank you so much, um, all of you, for joining me today. So uh, the exhibition uh, is going on for about seven weeks. Uh, the Go Down opens daily from noon to 6 p.m. on Mondays and th- from Mondays to Thursdays and from noon to 7 p.m. Uh, from Fridays to Sundays. As everyone mentioned, the admission is free, but of course, registration is required. Uh, search for the Go Down KL on, uh, on Instagram, right? Uh, if you'd like to find out more information and uh, to register as well. My thanks to all three of my guests. I've been speaking to Lim Wan Yi, co-founder of The Go Down, Emily Wee, also co-founder of The Go Down, and Ling Hao, an architect and curator of the exhibition Buckle Everyday Baskets from Sabah. If you miss any part of our conversation today, just download the podcast at bfm.my slash front dash row, or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.